Hello, world. I'm James O'Hara, and this is Politics Today. So let's talk about what's going on in politics today, uh, which there's a lot of stuff happening. Obviously, coronavirus, number one thing on the list um, of things happening. Uh, there's a new bill that's being uh, that was just passed by the Senate uh, and being proposed now to go to the House. Uh, and, of course, we have our Congress that's gone missing and as you know, I've told you guys about this before in the past, about how Congress has kind of disappears. Went on vacation while all this stuff is going on. Um, and other news, it looks like we have some um, emergency happening in North Korea, something going on with North Korean dictator. Uh, it looks like he's sick or has some kind of issue. And a new study came out saying that uh, there has been more deaths as a result of using hydroxychloroquine to treat coronavirus. So let's get into that one first. Um, and then I'll get into Congress and everything else that's going on. So remember, this is my take. It's my opinion on what's happening. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' opinion, and feel free to comment on this uh, podcast as much as possible. I'd love, love to hear questions and try to address any questions or concerns you guys have. So let's get started with this uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, article that came out on the Associated Press. Um, interesting article. I read it. Uh, it says, more deaths. There's no benefit from the malaria drug in a Virginia, um, University of Virginia virus study that they did. And the numbers are pretty interesting. Um, it looks like they've been, this is one of the first real studies to come out of a university that covers hydroxychloroquine um, and what its results are in treating coronavirus. Now, obviously, this is the drug that has been touted by President Trump in his uh, press briefings where he's gone out and said that you know, there's no harm in trying this and that people should uh, use it and hopefully it'll reduce um, the treatment people or reduce the effects of uh, coronavirus on people. So obviously it's been promoted. Now, with a big caveat, there is no scientific evidence that says whether this thing does cut down on coronavirus uh, symptoms or not. There is anecdotal evidence which says that. So there's people who've used it and have recovered and have credited hydroxychloroquine with their recovery. And so that is what really sent people down this pathway of uh, trying to use this drug or at least promoting this drug as something that was a possible uh, you know, silver bullet, let's say, to the coronavirus. Um, now, the study out of Virginia says it's not that it doesn't work the way that people are saying um, that it is working. And in fact, they, they give numbers that say 28% of the people who are given hydroxychloroquine uh, plus normal care um, passed away, died of the coronavirus, uh, versus 11% of those that were getting routine care without any hydroxychloroquine um, being added in to the treatment. Um, now, on its face, it looks like it's saying that more people are dying from the hydroxychloroquine than are dying from the coronavirus. I don't think that's necessarily true, though. Um, you got to remember, in order for a lot of these places that you do hydroxy or, or to treat you with hydroxychloroquine, you had to be in pretty rough shape, as it was. Uh, most of these people are on ventilators. They are in bad condition as far as the coronavirus goes, and hydroxychloroquine was kind of being used as a last-ditch attempt to save their lives. So uh, I think a lot of that plays into the high percentage difference between uh, 28% and 11%. Uh, people who passed away 
with the hydroxychloroquine. I don't think it's the hydroxychloroquine that killed him. Um, most doctors that have been interviewed and have made statements uh, have said that hydroxychloroquine does have side effects, but overall it's an FDA uh, medication that's been approved for many, many, many years to treat malaria. Um, it's very common. It also treats lupus. So it, it doesn't cause death necessarily. Um, it just seems that maybe it's not as effective in treating the coronavirus. But this is something that was kind of to be expected. I mean, this is a new virus. The coronavirus, COVID-19, is ravaging the world. And it's affecting a lot of people. So this virus doesn't have a cure. It doesn't have a vaccine, at least not that we have developed yet. And so looking for medications to solve the problem is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to experiment and try new medications and try to treat this. Um, and this is just one study. This is one study at the University of Virginia. It does not mean that this uh, does not work. It may work in some people. It may not work in other people. Um, but this is one study that we have had that says it doesn't work. So it's something to begin with. But there are other studies going on right now also that are looking to treat the same, uh, looking to see how it treats coronavirus as well. So we have to wait for the science to catch up with the world and everything that's going on. Now, what I wanted to bring up with this is not just that this study out of the VA says that um, this drug drug doesn't work, um, or at least it's not very effective against coronavirus, is the seeming joy that some people primarily on the left, have had in seeing these results. That's really the alarming thing. Because it's not the fact that this drug is ineffectual, which it may very well be. It may very well not work. Um, it's the fact that you have had people who have come out on the left saying that the president's evil for promoting this drug, that the president is going to kill people because he's promoting a wonder drug, right? Um, when the reality is the president's simply saying, go to your medical provider, your doctor, and ask about this and if it's something that they would decide to treat you with. Um, hydroxychloroquine does have side effects, but no one has ever came out and said you should do this on your own. It is a prescription medication that your doctor prescribes to you. So people have said go out and get a prescription for this and try it if you're one of these people suffering from COVID-19. Uh, not just go do it and get it off the black market or something like that and try it out because you could have side effects and potentially harm you. Um, but I've seen all over the internet today people referencing this study and putting in things like, oh, so you told you the whole time it was snake oil. The, the president's a snake oil salesman because he's trying to say that. And what I want to say about that is the president has been very promotional about this drug for sure I, I i won't deny that he's come out in his press conferences he has spoke very highly about using this drug and trying to promote it and it's promote its use now he has been accused of all sorts of things because of this there was an article that came out um about a week ago saying that the president was benefiting financially from promoting hydroxychloroquine uh, because he had an owned investments in the company that makes the drug. And then when you looked in further into that article, it was a complete sham. It was by Yahoo News, and it was garbage. It basically said that he owned mutual funds in which the mutual funds had investments in this company that makes hydroxychloroquine, which 
is not the only thing they make. They make vaccines for all sorts of different things. They are a uh, medical uh, pharmaceutical company that makes lots of different things. And the president happened to own a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of a, a mutual fund that had some of that company's stock in it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know every single stock that is in my 401k, for example. Right? I have a 401k and it invests in all sorts of stocks. I don't know everything that's in it. I don't go through it on a daily basis and see what stocks it is invested in. It's a 401k. Usually these are invested in various different stocks. They're fractions of shares. They're mutual funds. And no one really, most people don't have control over where it goes. Um, They don't pay attention that close to it. So to say the president is going to make all this money off promoting hydroxychloroquine was completely irrational. It was illogical. It did not make sense. Um, He makes just as much money off of it as anyone else would. And believe me, the stock market has gone down a lot. And when that stock market comes down, guess what? There's a lot of people going to pour into the market and buy stocks when stocks are cheap. That's how it works. You buy low, you sell high. So there are lots of mutual funds and things like that that are going into these low stocks. So don't be surprised if you see a lot of people make some money at the end of this because they bought pharmaceutical stocks. Probably a good buy. Now, I'm not a stockbroker. Don't follow my my uh, my advice on stocks. Uh, but I would assume that pharmaceutical companies are going to do pretty well um, at the end of this simply because this is a medical emergency with medical solutions. And what do pharmaceutical companies do? They make medicine. So that's something they're probably going to benefit a lot from. So I don't put a lot of weight into this study um, from the University of Virginia saying it doesn't work. Uh, I think the anecdotal anecdotal evidence is pretty strong. Um, But this is one study saying it may not work, and that's fine. It, It may not work. I mean, we as Americans have to face the fact that not everything is going to work to beat this enemy that we're facing. Some things are not going to work. Some things are going to fail. That's part of doing this, part of research, part of science. Things will fail, uh, but that's why we keep trying, right? We're not giving up the fight. We're going to keep trying and keep doing this. Now, other than that, moving on to the next thing in the news, is this $484 billion um, bill that was is passed by the Senate today. So the United States Senate has passed a bill for $484 billion with a B to help replenish the Paycheck Protection Program. So if you remember at the onset of all this, the United States government was faced with an insane task. We shut down our economy on purpose. First time in American history we've ever done that. We This was not a Great Depression type of thing. This wasn't a bunch of banks failing. Uh, This wasn't a situation where the housing market collapsed and we had, you know, loans that people weren't paying and all those kinds of things that happened with the financial crisis back in 2008. This was an intentional act by the federal government and local and state governments. Everyone in government office knew they had to do something to try to prevent the spread of this virus and to assist the hospitals. But remember when we, we on, the onset of all this stuff, we were told by our governments that 
We had to do social distancing. We had to shut these businesses down. And the reason why we had to do that was because the virus was going to overwhelm the hospital system. That was the biggest fear that we had. Uh, We were looking at situations like Italy where they were completely overwhelmed by what was going on with the coronavirus. Their hospital system, their medical system, was no way able to handle the influx of patients that it had. And it basically just stopped functioning. And thousands of people died as a result of this. So the last thing the United States wanted to face was an overwhelming situation of sick people who are taking over the hospitals and not having enough beds. That's one of the reasons why you saw in the state of New York, Governor Cuomo pushing so hard to get beds and hospitals opened up. And we sent the the president sent the U.S. Navy ship Comfort to New York and then retrofitted it so it could handle COVID patients. They redid the Javits Center and put beds in that. So Everything was dedicated to hospital space, right? Hospital capacity, uh, personal protective gear, things like that. So that way people would not die and overwhelm the hospital system. Well, we've been very lucky as a country. Our hospital system has handled this very, very well. I, I, I mean, I cannot commend our doctors, our nurses, especially our nurses, who have worked so hard to prevent this from becoming an overwhelming situation um, in all the hospitals. Now, they're overwhelmed dealing with it, but it's not overwhelming the hospitals as a whole. There's plenty of bed space. There's plenty of capability. Ventilators, that's something that the president jumped on right away to get ventilators to people, and we have lots of ventilators. In fact, we have more ventilators than we ever could use. Um, So we're in a very good situation as far as uh, hospitals go. They're not overwhelmed like they were originally thought. So... Then, after we shut down our economy, came this idea of how are you going to pay people? I mean, when you shut down an economy and people can't work and make money, then immediately there had to be some kind of answer to this. So the answer came out with the first passage of what was called the CARES Act. And the CARES Act funded a lot of things, $1,200, of course, for every American, 2400 if you were married, 500 each for each one of your children, um, which that is still rolling out and getting money to people. Then there was this idea called the Paycheck Protection Program. And the Paycheck Protection Program was designed and meant so that you, the worker, working for your business, your employer, could continue to have your job and not be laid off or furloughed because your employer was having a really hard time business-wise, which was understandable. I mean, you had lots of businesses, bars, things like that that shut down that could not pay their employees anymore. I mean, if you don't have people coming in the door and you're a bar and you sell beer and there's no one coming in the door to buy beer, then because they can't, they're not allowed to come in the door and sit down and buy beer. Uh, then you have a hard time staying in business. I mean, your employers, they still have to pay their rent, their bills, um, all the different expenses that come with running a business, right? There's thousands thousands of dollars a month that cost to run a business. So these business owners were in a horrible situation. And the initial thing is when you are in a bad situation like that, you have to shut your business down. Well, guess what? You're going to lay off your employees. You're going to send them home. And then your employees aren't making any money. They can't contribute into the system. They can't buy necessities like toilet paper that's still missing on store shelves. 
for some reason. But they can't get the necessities they need because they don't have any money in their pocket. And I'm sorry, government, but $1,200 is not enough. Not enough to do this and get it done. So the Paycheck Protection Program was put in place so that business owners could get grants and loans from the federal government in the amount that they could maintain their workforce. And the, actually, the idea was they would get this money and then they wouldn't have to lay off people. In fact, they couldn't lay off people because if they wanted the money to be a grant, they had to continue to have those people employed, the same number of people employed as when they asked for the grant. So the idea was they were going to keep people employed and people would continue to get paychecks in exchange for not working and following the social distance guidelines that the government has put in place. Now, the president has been very ambitious about this. He's been very positive about this program. But on the ground, I don't think it's working anywhere near the way that they want to tout that it works. The reality is the the system ran out of money. The Paycheck Protection Program ran out of money almost instantly. Um, it was put into place. The application process for it was extremely difficult to go through and apply. Uh, there were people who applied to this and never got a response back from the Small Business Administration, who's who was running the program. Um, there are still people waiting. There are people waiting today who applied right when this program started, who still haven't gotten a response from the SBA. They have no idea what is going on with their application status if they have to reapply. And these are programs that were changing every day as they were trying to adapt to the new path they had to go down. So as legislation was passed and written, the program had to adjust to what this new legislation said it was. And the reality was it ran out of money very, very quickly. And it's not doing what it was meant and intended to do. There are businesses, small businesses, who are on the waiting list still, waiting to get their money. Guess what? A lot of those businesses had to lay off and furlough workers. They could not afford to continue paying them. They couldn't. You can't expect a company to keep paying people when it has no money coming in the door. So it was an inevitable thing. And now they're waiting for this money to come from the federal government, which has been very slow coming and hasn't come about. And so it's creating even more of a problem. So the new $484 billion that were passed by the Senate, which still has to go to the House and get approved by the House and passed, um, will give $320 billion to replenish the Paycheck Protection Program. Hopefully that will get a lot of small businesses who are on the waiting list their money. It gives $60 billion into the SBA, the Small Business Administration, for their disaster relief fund. It gives $75 billion for hospitals. And it gives $25 billion to go towards coronavirus testing, which I can tell you I think is the key to all of this, is getting people tested for coronavirus. The more people we know are either positive or negative, the better off we're going to be at secluding those people who are positive and letting the negative people go out and live their lives and reopen our economy. Because no matter how much money the government spends on this program, it is not a replacement for working and letting the economy and the market work itself out. The government cannot replace the market. And that is the crutch of the matter. You have Congress, who's been on vacation for last week, in case you know, if you noticed, um, they're negotiating over the phone, discussing things with each other. But Congress is not in Washington, D.C. They're not in session. Now, they're supposed to come back tomorrow 
in order to pass the House to pass this uh, bill. But they're at home. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, she's sitting at home in California eating her thousands of dollars in gourmet ice cream out of her $24,000 fridge and looking down on all those little people and saying, oh, how much it must be hard for the common person to go through all this stuff. So you hear a lot of rhetoric from the left and from the Democrats, but not a lot of action. When you're not even in Washington, D.C. to do something, are you really looking out for the American people? Absolutely not. And the first CARES Act that was passed, the first phase of this, was full of pet projects, $25 million for the Kennedy Center, and then they still laid off their orchestra even after that. And all this other money that was given to all sorts of different government organizations that didn't need money from this. And one of the Republican viewpoints has been, if you're going to pass legislation that's going to help people and going to do this Paycheck Protection Program, this stuff needs to be coronavirus-related. No unrelated stuff being put into the bill. This pork, this extra earmarks for things that are not needed or not important uh, necessarily to the cause. I mean, they might be important to some people, sure. I mean, I love the Kennedy Center, so that's important. But does it really need to have funding right this second? The National Endowment of the Arts, great organization. Do they need to have funding right now this second because of coronavirus? No, they don't. That's it's just crazy. They don't need funding right now. They can wait a month or two for funding. It's not that big of a deal. All right? But we need coronavirus-related stuff now. The American worker is the one who needs money. The American worker, the engine behind our economy, they're the ones who need assistance right now. And they need their Congress people to be working for them, not sitting at home eating ice cream. That's insanity. So get to work, Congress. That's my message to them. Now, interestingly enough, one of my not favorite Congress people, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, she has been very vocal about this, actually, and I do agree with her um, when it comes to some of these things. Uh, now, her and I are completely opposite ideological spectrums, right? She is a leftist. She is a socialist. Uh, I am a conservative, more libertarian I do not agree with almost anything that comes out of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's mouth. However, I do have to say she does have a point. She has been very vocal about how crappy this program is being rolled out. Now, she has a different perspective. And this is really where the Democrats are coming from. They're, this is a calculated move by the Democrat Party. Now, when, when AOC comes out and says that this needs more funding for the regular worker. It needs $2,000 given to every worker. Uh, I mean, it's in her proposal, it would be $2,000 for 12 months um, for every American worker affected by this. Now, I think that's extreme. But I don't disagree that this needs to be more worker-centric and focused. Uh, I think just giving it to businesses is not necessarily the best approach. Small businesses do need money for the, to be bailed out in this, um, and not because of any fault of their own. Now, I had a, a friend of mine that was had been posting things, and they had said that, um, you know, oh, if you don't like socialism, you need to send your check back because this is socialism. And it's not. This is 100% not socialism. It has nothing to do with socialism. When the government shuts down the economy, they are then responsible for what they did. That means they're responsible now for those people 
who were working and should be working or would have been working who now are not working because they shut it down. That's their fault. They did this. So when they do something, they're responsible for it. That's not socialism. That's not. That's called a stimulus to stimulate the economy again. It's not socialism. Now, this isn't some huge program being run by the government. It's not Social Security. It's not Medicare or Medicaid. It's not some huge government program that's being run as a temporary program to get money into the hands of the people so that the people can do what they need to do um, to keep the economy going. So totally opposite of socialism. However, there are some people in the Democrat Party who look at this as an opportunity. It is an opportunity to implement socialist policies and legislate them. And it's pretty despicable. I mean, you're using an emergency for the American people and trying to hold it up. I mean, there's no reason why the Paycheck Protection Program should have ever run out of money. There's zero reason for that. They knew it had this much money in it. They knew the amount of people applying to it. They saw the amount of money that was exiting out of the system, right? It's being monitored. The federal government sees what's happening, right? The Secretary of Treasury knows what's going on, knows it needs more money, comes to Congress and says, hey, we need more money. And there's no Congress to come to because they're on vacation. So, see, that is the deal. This $484 billion could have been passed a week ago. Could have been passed the day after the Paycheck Protection Program and the CARES Act were passed. There's no reason for it to take this long. You know, real people are out of work, not making money, not being able to pay for their their sustenance. And Congress is on vacation. But there's a reason why they are. Because they like the pressure. For Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat Party, who are the minority party, right? they only control one half of one branch of government right they control the house of representatives which does give them a lot of power in the house and the congress but not a lot of power anywhere else right so they are going to use this situation to put pressure on the republicans they want to roll out massive government programs and massive government spending even more than what we've already spent which is outrageous i mean we're coming on 25 trillion dollars in national debt because of this uh, this is a huge, huge expenditure of the federal government. And they're talking about spending more money. But it's not spending more money just to bail people out and help them out and get through this hard time. It's to radically change the economy to something different so that they will benefit in the long run And when it comes to elections. They're trying to pay people off and buy people's votes. That's really what this is about. $2,000 a month for 12 months? So a year of making $2,000 a month from the government for doing nothing? That, that's crazy. When we could be reopening the government and getting people back to work, that's really the difference here. You have two choices. Go down the route of using the market, opening up the economy and letting people work, or just paying people to sit at home and do nothing. Now, for the Democrats, that's a great idea because it allows them time to implement all their other socialist things. There's stuff about the Green New Deal. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I said I just had agreed with, this is where we difference right here this is a big difference between her and i um she tweeted the other day now is the time to create millions of good jobs building out the infrastructure clean energy necessary to save our planet for future generations for our economy our planet and our future we need hashtag green new deal well there you have it folks the green new deal is what this is really about 
It isn't about the American worker and saving them. It's about implementing this pipe dream of everything green, no airplanes, no cows, all the stuff that was in the Green New Deal. That's really what this is about. So they're trying to use a tragic situation where people are dying, holding up funding for some other kind of radical program they want to want to set forth. So that is, to me, very frustrating to hear. I wish this would be covered by the media more, but we all know the media has an agenda when it comes to this. It's more destroy Trump, destroy Trump, destroy Trump. It's his fault uh, for everything and not focused on what's actually going on in Congress and what's happening here. So, I mean, there is a ebb and flow to the way things happen in Congress. The Democrats are supposed to be the opposition party who brings forth new ideas that are going to change the way the GOP, the Republicans, do things. Um, But right now, we're at a situation in Congress where they're fighting so much with each other ideologically that things aren't going to be done on the ground. Um, which is a real, real tragedy. So I do agree that people need more help, but I don't agree the way that the Democrats are doing it in Congress. I think it's dangerous what they're doing. They're playing a very dangerous game, and people's lives and livelihoods are at stake. Um, As for testing, the federal government is going to give $25 billion in this bill towards testing and get people tested. Now, I personally think that's a good way to go, uh, I think the states do need to have some funding brought into them for testing. Um, I did not like what I saw over this last week with Governor Cuomo fighting with President Trump over uh, testing and over what the states are supposed to do and what the federal government is supposed to do. The federal government has been doing a lot of things to help out these states. You have a lot of states who some have taken advantage of the federal government and others have taken advantage of people's ignorance to flip it around on the president and they they do this they have a way of using the media to direct everything towards the president and the president's failings when it's a state issue now we live in a federal society we have a state government so we have uh, a federal government now the state governments are in charge of certain things the federal government in charge of our things so the state governments do have a role here when it comes to administering testing and things like that and a lot of state governments have failed on this front so far. Um, now, I'm not going to criticize them too much because they're dealing with unprecedented stuff and it don't beat up every governor just because they didn't do things perfectly. But they are, it looks like, trying to get a handle on this. $25 billion for coronavirus testing is going to help. I personally went and got tested yesterday um, to see how the whole process worked. Uh, I live here in central Florida and in Orlando, we have testing centers that are set up where you can do drive-through testing, um, being run by the National Guard. Uh, it was done very professionally. I decided to go check it out and see for myself what the testing was like. And I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, one, I was surprised at how efficient the testing went. Uh, it was you drive up, they, they get your information, you drive around to a testing area, uh, they do a swab in the back of your throat, and very similar to a strep throat test. And I got my results the very next day, um, this morning. So uh, they emailed me saying my results were in, and I tested negative, thankfully. So I don't have coronavirus. But it is an interesting testing process. The other surprising part of it wasn't just the efficiency, but nobody was there. There were two other vehicles the entire place. And when I'm saying how big this testing facility is, 
it's it's hard to imagine if you've never been to the Orange County Convention Center or any major convention center. Um, you can imagine. Uh, I guess the best way to be is if you've ever been to like a stadium and been to the stadium parking lot, and they have these huge parking lots, and the whole parking lot being converted over to a testing facility. They had cones, different lanes you can drive down. Um, they had multiple white tents set up with big HVAC systems. Uh, the National Guard was out there patrolling. Um, they had different stops you went, um, so everything was organized. They had the capability to test, uh, I would think, at least a couple hundred vehicles uh, easily a day. Easily, with the amount of setup they had. And there were two vehicles there. And then me. So, not being utilized anywhere near the level that this thing was built and designed to be utilized for. So, it, I draw two conclusions from that. Conclusion number one, uh, they're very efficient in what they do, getting people in and out. Uh, and we have plenty of testing capability, which is good, at least in the state of Florida. Now, I can't speak for other states. I know some states are having a, a harder time with this. But the state of Florida, definitely, we have enough testing capability as far as number of test kits to get people tested on a very large scale, uh, which was good. I think it's a good sign. Uh, the other good sign I've grabbed from this is if the, there means there's probably not a lot more people getting sick. Um, I'm sure, obviously, the contagion spreading. Obviously, the virus uh, doesn't stop just because we will it away. Um, but if you had a lot of people getting sick in a community, you would think that these testing facilities would be full of people getting tested because they're sick. Um, now, I know hospitals are filling up with some people who are obviously in very bad condition, right? But for people who are getting sick or feeling uh, not well, I would think the first thing you do is stop and get tested. That's what I would do, and these testing facilities are available. So the fact that there weren't lots of vehicles in this drive-up testing facility, I took as a sign that maybe not as many people are getting infected, at least to the point of, uh, of not feeling well. Um, so in that case, that might be a good sign that this is uh, uh, this virus is on the decline, hopefully, and we can start directing our attention over to opening up things in our economy, opening up our government. So I predict, hopefully by May, that we're going to start seeing a rollout of things opening up uh, and things changing. I'm really hoping that's the case, uh, but we will see what happens there. Um, I know a lot of people are very concerned about this virus having a second wave that's coming back. Uh, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. I know in 1917, I've seen the memes and things posted on Facebook that say that, you know, 1917, there was another wave that, that hit the country and caused all sorts of damage and things like that. And it says the first wave killed five to eight million people. The second wave killed 50 million people. But one thing they don't put is historical context into that. And what I mean by that is we had a war going on in 1917 called World War One, And in 1917, when the Spanish flu is what they're talking about, became a global pandemic. It spread from the United States initially into Europe and around the world. It was carried in there by American soldiers who were going to go fight over in the trenches in France. And they carried this virus with them. They infected other people. Then the second wave happened in 1918, uh, towards the end and in the 1919 and what that was is from all those soldiers coming home from the war after it was over so you had not only an influx 
of the virus into the world, into Europe from American soldiers, but also an influx of the virus back into America from soldiers coming back home. So a little bit different virus than uh, than this one, the coronavirus that we're dealing with today. It's very hard to take these things and sort of say, well, it happened in 1917, 1918, so it's definitely going to happen again in 2020, 2021. Uh, no, you can't. Uh, we're in a different historical situation than we were back then. Um, history does not repeat itself. History is different every time. Um, but there were different things that happened back then that aren't happening now. So uh, it's something you definitely like to study if you want to look more into the Spanish flu. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But World War One was the main catalyst behind the Spanish flu spreading and having its um, having its double wave sort of thing that it did back then. I don't think we're in that same situation now. I'm not going to say there can't be a double wave. Or of course, there could be a second wave of this stuff that comes back. But really, folks, we can't sit around and live in fear that maybe something's going to come and get us. Uh, the reality is, I think with testing and rolling out heavy-duty testing like we have here in Central Florida and people utilizing it, the more people we could find that either have this virus or don't have this virus, the better off we're going to be. If we can get to a situation where we can get this thing under control, we know who has the virus. And we can seclude those people and isolate them. We can open back up our economies and get everything going again. We don't have to keep everybody shuttered in their homes for months and months and months because the virus is going around. We need to start doing this smarter um, than how we've been doing it. I think there are other solutions out there. I think we had a, a crisis. There was an emergency point, and now we're drawing back from the emergency and getting things under control. So with that said, um, I hope you guys have a wonderful Earth Day uh, and celebrate the wonderful planet we are on. And I hope you guys stay safe and tune in for my next podcast, which hopefully will be coming pretty soon. So... Appreciate it, guys. If you have any uh, comments to make or questions, I'd love to hear them. Throw a comment at me um, and email me. Uh, let me know. I, in fact, I can give you my email address. It's politicstodayjro at gmail.com. So feel free to shoot an email there if you have any questions. Um, and that's it. So have a great day, guys, and I'll see you later.